0: All right, and we're back once again with the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glass for coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture, Cosmos, Game Source, and also Inside Sports Fantasy Football. We want to thank you so much for listening to all of our great shows. And this guest once again returns to us. He had such a great time in our previous conversation that he came back. Anytime I can talk NBA draft, it's just a great opportunity indeed. It's the man behind. NBA Draft Junkies. You got to go ahead and check out his work today at nbadraftjunkies.com. Plus also for detailed breakdowns, you can go ahead to YouTube and check out his YouTube page right there, NBA Draft Junkies. It's Rafael Barlow. And Rafael, thanks again for coming back. Love to spend more time
1: talking about the NBA Draft. Thank you for having me on. Talking to draft is something I enjoy doing, so – Today's a good day. I get a chance to talk about something I love, which I'm sure you can relate to.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I know one of the things that we didn't touch upon, in uh, a little bit intentionally on my part, because I don't want to you know, go ahead and just entirely focus on them, because we don't know 100% where they would be targeting. I know that the team does have needs, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers, especially mm-hmm. because, as you and I both know, that the odds are – most likely that the Lakers would fall somewhere at the back end of the first round. They can't trade this first round draft away until they actually draft the individual. So they actually have to draft the individual. And most likely if it doesn't get packaged, they'll try to go ahead and get someone that they can develop. Let's start in it right away with your thoughts on if you're at the back end of that first round, let's say Milwaukee, or let's say a Lakers primarily, if that's the case, who would you be targeting? Maybe a group of players. Obviously, there's not just one individual at this point that the Lakers can zero in on.
1: With, with teams like the Lakers and Milwaukee, it's tough because nine times out of ten, that rookie's probably not going to crack the rotation. And then I and I and you can honestly say both teams will probably look for similar players to. Everyone has to be a complimentary piece around LeBron or Giannis. And so when you look for complimentary pieces for those two players, you look for outside shooters. So if I were like the Lakers or it depends, I like, I like Aaron Neesmith out of uh, Vanderbilt. He shot, I want to say shot like 50 over 50% from, from three this year, if he falls that far, I, I think he, he could end up going higher, but he's coming off a season-ending knee injury. So Lakers could get lucky, and he could fall to them, especially in a situation where teams won't be able to get a chance to watch him or work him out. And so, um, and uh, you know, you figure, like, the Lakers, they're in a position to where they can just take the best player available or the best player that they can develop for a long term They're not necessarily looking for someone that can come in and contribute right away. Another guy who I who I like for for the Lakers is Isaiah Joe out of uh, Arkansas. He shot he shot well as a freshman. His numbers dipped a little bit his sophomore year, but he kind of reminds me of a Troy Daniels type. Even though they ended up getting rid of Troy Daniels at the end of the season, I think he's a guy that can play a similar role. Well, I'll tell you what, those are two great names right there, and that's one of the things I wanted to ask you
0: is. The, the ability to have that type of skill with a three-pointer, I mean, to already to have that somewhat developed, and you and I both know there is a learning curve once you get to the NBA, and obviously the distance itself from college to pro affects some of that. Right. But at least having that start, at least having that ability, it's probably one of, in, in the last few years, one of the most desired skills by the NBA but it's also the one of the uh, the actual skills that is the least developed coming out of college or even Europe.
1: Yeah, and I think it depends on 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 the player, and that's why like if, if you're a a guy that likes to shoot, you would love to play with with LeBron because that's your job. You're just going to stand in a corner and you're going to get open looks, and your job is just to knock those down. I mean, you look at. Daniel Booby Gibson, LeBron, well, well, Gibson was a guy. He wasn't necessarily a point guard. He wasn't a two. He wasn't a great defender, but LeBron made his job so easy. He got open shots. He knocked them down. He was able to make, I think he he signed like a $20 million contract. Don't know what happened to him after LeBron left, but LeBron was responsible for getting him paid. So if you're a shooter. He, He isn't the only one yeah there's plenty of guys so if you're a shooter and you're one-dimensional this is the team that you want to go to
0: absolutely because like you said lebron makes it so much easier the way he distributes obviously his his outstanding court vision and that's what lebron likes to have that's really exactly how he can excel on the team is if he has those kind of shooters or those players with the athletic ability to go ahead to the basket for lobs, creating those diversions so it allows him to go ahead and be or have those options, whether LeBron wants to go ahead and drive to the basket or stay on the outside. So, yes, definitely one of the things that they have to have and develop right away. Outside of who you mentioned already, does anybody really have those? those shot making skills that that range already someone that you could already project will be event you know not necessarily right away but maybe in a year to already be at that magical 40 percent from the three-point line
1: yeah i mean those two guys stand out the most to me uh there's i like i like skylar mays out of lsu and the reason i like him for la is because he he shot well from three he shot like 39 percent from three so it's, which is a good percentage, he'll, he'll need to increase his range, but he also can create and make plays off the dribble. And so I think one of the, um, a lot of Laker fans wanted the Lakers to add another creator this year. Someone that can, that can be a secondary playmaker or creator that can knock down shots. And so Skyler is somebody that I think has the possibility. He's, he's 6'4", so he's like a combo. But he can play – I think he can play alongside a dominant point guard, and I think he can also run the offense if needed. So he's a guy that – it may be a little high for for where he's projected to go, but he's a guy that if I were the Lakers, I would definitely look at. And even if he needs to play a year with South Bay to become a better shooter, you have the luxury of being able to develop him.
0: And that's something that they're doing right now with THT, Taylor Horton Tucker, and – He is really hasn't played or he's just been on the bench a couple times really for the Lakers this year. He Mm -hmm. has actually been for the entire year at the South Bay area and South Bay Lakers. That's one thing I wanted to ask you is your assessment of THT. uh, You know, is he someone that is going to have a future in the NBA? Uh, They're developing right now. He was really young. In fact, one of the youngest Players in the NBA draft last year. So obviously, there's a lot of room to develop. Do you think he might have
1: a future in the NBA? I think it all depends on his shooting. I mean, I, I, I believe he's a weapon, and he's a guy that when I watched his film last year, I felt like either he's going to be good or he's going to have a hard time sticking because he doesn't have one thing that he does well, but he does a little bit of everything. And he can be used as, as like a weapon, um, because he has such long arms and he's he's strong. I think he can defend multiple positions, but uh, and he's 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 good with the ball. He's he's a pretty crafty ball handler, but I just feel like playing next to LeBron, he doesn't have the gravity on offense that will help LeBron out. And so if he can knock down open shots, and for him, it's just a matter of knocking down corner threes. I don't even think he needs to be a good shooter off the dribble. But if he can knock down corner shots, then he can be on the court with LeBron, and then he can provide defensive versatility and, and ball handling. But it just depends on his outside shooting. That's where, in order for him to maximize his potential, he has to improve as a shooter.
0: I agree with you on that assessment. It's something that has to take place like like you said it has to be that type of diversion for lebron to have that ability on the floor to space the floor to make it available for lebron to go ahead and play i mean we see sometimes when rondo gets in a funk and shooting and his availability or just his him being there his presence as a playmaker on the floor at the same time works well with lebron when he's shooting well when he's not and they leave him wide open to take all those threes and he, can't, and he starts to clank them, then it becomes so much easier to guard the Lakers. So I, I agree with you on that with THT. If he needs to develop that end of the court, and if he does, it could be a nice find for the Lakers.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I like him a lot. Um, you know, in one case you can say, man, he definitely could have used another year of college. But he's so young. I mean, I, I want to say he was 18 last year when they drafted him, so he probably is 19 now. The Lakers have the luxury of being able to take their time and, and work with him until he becomes the player that they need. So that's, that's a good thing of having LeBron is that, of course, you win and all the money he generates, but your lower draft picks aren't forced to, to come in and play right away. Now that's a
0: good luxury to have that you don't have to go ahead and, and just force them out on the court right there. Sometimes it's nice if they can go ahead and get that court action right out there and playing the NBA level would have been nice if the Lakers in a regular type of scenario would have clinched early and had like 10 games left where you could maybe throw out THT there to get some time and some of the other younger players to develop out there or, since Dion Waiters to get more time with the team and whatnot but unfortunately it didn't materialize so I'm hoping THD over the the break whenever that is is going to be able to go ahead and develop those kinds of you know that kind of skill set that the Lakers need going forward because it's still at this point in time depth after the first couple players is still a thing that the Lakers need because it's it's you get, you get up there at age with some of the players that are on the Lakers team right now, so having that injection of youth could be something the Lakers could need next season.
1: I agree. Yeah, well, well it's kind of weird because with this situation, you figure guys aren't having as much wear and tear on their bodies now. So this, if there's a silver lining of what's going on with this whole situation, it's hard to find some positives sometimes, but – I was thinking about that a couple days ago. LeBron is probably going to be even fresher than normal. You know, Jared Dudley's not playing a lot, but he's getting up in age. This may add another year on to his career. Danny Green. So the the depth issue might not be too big of an issue because guys would be fresh. Now, LeBron always tells you otherwise. He always
0: tells you, I need to be out there on the court and play my – Starting to feel things on my body I haven't felt before. I I heard him mention that the other day, and I'm thinking to myself, this is the kind of break that he had similar to last year Mm -hmm. because the injury and then also the fact the Lakers didn't make the playoffs. And look at the year that he had because of it. Uh, I'm not saying that my you know that's going to definitely take place next season, but my gosh, you know it can't be bad for when you're 35 going to be 36. And you're having that kind of three, four months off can't be bad for his body overall. It's just something he's not used to. And I get that. But yeah, I it just, it, hopefully, it will be a point where it will add up to a little bit more mileage for LeBron coming next season or whenever they decide to go ahead and pick up the round ball again and maybe play in the tournament we were talking about on our last show with in bahamas or the or vegas or wherever they want to put it if it does materialize. So I I'd like to see what what uh the future holds for that. And I I agree with you on the fact that, you know, any break for LeBron is a good break, but he sees it differently. I I he might know his body more than anybody else, but what we saw this season, you can't say that having that time off during last summer didn't help him.
1: Oh yeah, you could tell defensively. He was a much better defender this year than he was last year. I forgot which game it was. It was one of the – was it the Bucs game? It was one of the big – last big national TV games. Or maybe it was the Pelicans. I don't know. There was so many – you know, it was the Pelicans. And there were so many multiple effort defensive plays LeBron made that particular game that I just didn't see – Last year, and anytime you're talking about LeBron, I guess you're nitpicking because no matter what, he's still going to put up ridiculous numbers. But I did feel like the break made him a lot fresher, and you can arguably say this is one of his best seasons of his career. At what is he, 35 now? Absolutely, I
0: agree with you on that. Definitely at 35, yeah. Maybe I'm a little bit of a homer when I say he's he's at MVP or very close to it, just sneaking out right now over Giannis. Uh, But the reason why I do it, yes, Giannis has those gaudy video game-like numbers and LeBron's numbers ain't so bad either. But the age difference, uh, you you cannot tell me right now and say, hey, Gerald, Giannis is going to do that well and have those kind of numbers at 35. You just can't tell me that. So the difference to me in age is the only reason why I would pick MVP at this point in time for LeBron. But again, if, if somebody's gonna argue Giannis, and I know Giannis is gonna get it, and I know most reporters and most analysts out there are saying, well, you gotta give it to Giannis. You gotta get, give it to Giannis. Okay, uh, I get that, and I completely understand it. So if you know his performance out there on the court has been outstanding, you can't deny that. But the age difference to me is just the biggest key why I would go in in favor of LeBron. But yeah, I, I can definitely agree that if people out there say Giannis, that's not a bad choice at
1: all. Yeah, I, I feel like the gap was closing in the last few weeks of the season. I mean, I think Giannis was a guy everybody had already given the award to back in January and February. But I feel like with him, with him getting hurt, we don't know how how well he would have played once he came back. And then it just felt like the Lakers just had so much momentum. And it was it was shocking if you looked at the at the standings. It was like, wow, the Lakers could have actually caught up with the Bucks within a couple games, which, you know, all season you just thought the Bucs were so far ahead of everybody. So yeah, I think the gap was was closing. And then um voter fatigue. You never know. If it was if it was a tie, I think they may give it to to LeBron since Giannis won last year.
0: Yeah. Something like that. And I know Giannis at the time that the season ended was out of the lineup. So the Lakers Mm -hmm. could have made up that margin, but again, we'll never know. Uh, you know, even if you go ahead and say, Hey, everybody gather around play in in the Bahamas or the Vegas, it's going to be the same. So, uh, -hmm. you know, there's just really no way you could have gauged how the season would have gone if, uh, you know, originally had, had it not been stopped, but again, that's, That's Like you said earlier, that's nitpicking at this point. You're talking about one great player against another great player in an MVP conversation, and I don't believe you can go wrong with either. I agree. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today
1: on your favorite podcast outlet. Another player that I I thought that would, he actually kind of reminds me of a younger Jared Dudley is uh, Jordan Wara from uh, Louisville. He's a pretty good three-point shooter. I think that He's a guy that is an ideal complementary player for for a guy like LeBron or or the Lakers because he can make he can make corner shots he can make threes but he also has enough offensive game as to where if there's a hard closeout he can make a play mm-hmm. and um, yeah and like I said he reminds me of Dudley maybe even body size even Dudley back in college he was. Very good. A lot of people forget how good Jared Dudley was at Boston College. And the war reminds me of Dudley a lot. So who better to mentor him than than Jared Dudley?
0: That's true. He's a great pro. Although when he steps out on the court at his age now, uh, his body type, it looks so much vastly different than what it was when he was younger. And he's still able to go out there and give you a few good minutes, take a couple charges and whatnot. But, yes, his professionalism is one of the reasons why he's still on the team. And uh, I agree with you on that. If he can go ahead and develop like Jared Dudley has in the NBA, that can't be a bad thing at all. Because defensively and the fact that he is a good three-point shooter, 3 and D is a marketable commodity in the league. No matter if you're going to be a starter or coming off the bench, if you can have a 3 and D ability, you're going to be wanted in the NBA.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a very high need for guys that can space the floor and that want to play defense. It's it's interesting because there are guys that, that probably aren't good one-on-one players. You know, back in the day, you always thought of a great NBA player as a guy that can go out and score and create a shot. And now those guys are falling in the draft because if you're not good enough to be – the main option for a team, then as a score, I feel like your stock drops and they need guys to play around the guys that they're paying 20, 30, $40 million to. So being a role player is is very lucrative nowadays, especially if you like playing defense.
0: And as you know, numbers mean more now than they ever did. And dealing with all the analysts out there and all the analytics – And you see that people are more interested in the numbers. And if efficiency is something that you bring to the table, efficiency is going to go ahead and win out on the day. Because as you you spoke about, the the playmakers that are following the draft or the playmakers that are here in the NBA that can create their own shot but don't shoot effectively or efficiently, they're not as much beloved as they once were when you, you and I were younger. 90s 2000s whatnot and uh i'm going to use the example as far as alan iverson you know he could put up a lot of shots get you a lot of points but people were satisfied because of what they saw in the box score and what he brought to the table but efficiency wise he was not as efficient as you would like him to see and there was a lot of players who emulated his style and that style of being able to command the ball but also as well put up a lot of shots is not as revered as it once was in the nba just because you could go ahead and take the basket doesn't mean you could go ahead and be a top level player in the nba these days because it's all a lot of it is still based off the numbers at this point in time
1: i agree totally i mean i think a guy like Deion waiters even though he was a top five pick i believe his game was more suited for the 90s where you played isolation basketball and Dion is tough one-on-one. As far as you need someone to go out and, and get you a bucket, he can do that. But it's the difference between, you know, like in the 90s when they ran isolation basketball to now where it's more focused on spreading the floor, moving the ball, and knocking down shots. And I think he'll help the Lakers because they need a, another secondary playmaker, but he wouldn't have been available like this if it were, you know, 1998 or even like 2003. And he's, he's an example of how the game changed has impacted his, his value around the league. Just keep him away from the gummy bears, please. <laughs> definitely, definitely.
0: Definitely. Once again, I'm talking to Rafael Barlow from nbadraftjunkies.com. You got to go ahead and check out his great site today, plus his YouTube channel, NBA Draft Junkies it is a must if you want to go ahead for if you're supporting any team and you want to get behind and get down on what's going on with the NBA Draft you have to go ahead go over to YouTube watch his breakdowns of all the major stars that are coming up there now and in the future check it out today NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube well Raphael, a couple more things I want to go ahead and talk to you about you know aside from the Lakers per se and, Somebody that they probably will not be interested in. But you never know. if they're Like you said, at their level, You know, whenever it hits, it's going to be a big man. If a big man is the best player or best option available for them, that's great. But overall, the need for a big man in the entire draft is not what it once was. When you, know, you and I were younger, it's got to be big man, big man, big man. Need that seven-footer, need that seven-footer. Now it's not as clear-cut. Obviously, I was talking about the analytics, efficiency, be able to space the floor, and all that. That's now a uh, you know, in many ways, a requirement for many of these young big men. And I wanted to ask you when it comes to big men in the draft, uh, James Wiseman still is standing out as a top five, top seven pick per se. His height, his ability, even though he didn't get to show it much at Memphis, is still a very marketable commodity. But overall. What what big men are still making an impact or can still make an impact in this NBA draft coming up?
1: Well, I like Wiseman. I also like um, Okangu from USC. I'm really high on him, and it, it's amazing if you think about it that Chino Hills team could have three guys drafted in the top five or six um, with Lonzo, Lamello and and Okangu. But he's a guy that I'm high on. Um, as far as other big men, that I, I mean, I guess you can consider Obi Toppin a big, but he's not necessarily like a back-to-the-basket center. But yeah, there's not a lot of bigs, and and it's, it's interesting because some guys may, especially for team need, like I know a lot of teams may not need bigs, but I look at a team like the Lakers, I think it would be wise for them late in the in the first round, if there was a big that they wanted to develop, which the Lakers have drafted very well, in my opinion, the last few years. And if Dwight comes back, and I'm not sure if JaVel is – is, is JaVel on another one-year deal? Yes, JaVale has a one-year option.
0: Okay. And then, of course, DeMarcus Cousins possibly could return to the team. Uh, he's working out at their facility, and he has a good relationship with the team. Uh, you know, he does have the relationship with AD – and the injuries aside may make him come back to the Los Angeles Sakers if he doesn't have a better option.
1: Yeah, I did read about that. And so, I mean, they can gamble and take a big late in the draft, and that can be someone that they can develop. Because if you look at the roster, I can't imagine two to three years from now those three bigs will be on the team. So that uh, could be an area to look into.
0: I agree. I agree with you. And, with Dwight Howard, he it's been a a nice case of him finally figuring out what he needs to do to help a team win, mm-hmm. and it, it could be a marketable commodity out there. I mean, I could easily see the Golden State Warriors trying to offer him a starting job if he plays that same type of role and being effective there, or another team that says, "Hey, you know what? You did a great job with the Los Angeles Lakers. Hey." We want to go ahead and put you in that same type of position on our team. So it, there could be a little bit of a bidding war and the Lakers would probably have to back out because as you and I remember, he was only given off, offer a very small contract and that was something that was not even not guaranteed until January of this year. So I, I'm not sure if if Dwight would be coming back because the offers might be out there now that everybody seems to be favorited on Dwight Howard's ability once again but you're right with JaVale McGee there and possibly DeMarcus Cousins or some other big there there still is a chance for a big to develop like you said before a year in South Bay a year in South Bay does not hurt an NBA draft choice I mean just because they don't play in the NBA right away doesn't mean that they're not going to be a good player down the road
1: yeah i I agree and I mean I think that's what the the g league is is all about and it gives teams the luxury of developing a guy their way it could be a guy that may not be high on draft boards who who they say well you know what if he comes out next year he may be a lottery pick but if we can get him now develop him he could be a role player or he can contribute in a year or two i mean I look at you know, it was a situation like with Capella in Houston with Dwight. He didn't play very much at all his rookie year. And then he, he stayed in RGV the whole season. And the next year, he he, became, he was a starter. Zubac is a guy that that was uh, they got late, and he ended up being a very productive center. So that would be something I would look for. I like um, Yurtsevin out of Georgetown. He was a guy that was projected to be a high – draft pick maybe two or three years ago but he's still really young even though i think he's this is like his fourth year third or fourth year in college basketball he may only be 20 or 21 he's a guy that i think that that i would take a gamble on if i'm the lakers late in the first round and he
0: did get developed or for a year under patrick ewing so that can't be bad because as you know i both know patrick ewing one thing he does know is is the big man spot. Plus, he has that NBA assistant coach experience, so he knows what it's like on the NBA as of late so he could develop that type of player. So, yeah, that would be a good choice as well. I, I agree with you on that. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse.
1: I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where...
0: promoted and this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics that's the pop culture cosmos show and the pcc multiverse every week on apple podcasts and over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options one last thing i wanted to talk to you about for now and that is the forum players in the forum market out there some of the players that you're eyeing and because you are as you indicated on a previous podcast you're all over the <laughs> globe checking out these great players, these great prospects that are are going to be made available in the NBA draft, and more and more foreign names are putting their names into the hat as far as, you know, I want to go ahead and be a part of the NBA draft this year. So there's a lot of foreign names out there. Who really intrigues you? And it doesn't have to be someone maybe near at the top, but what foreign international players really are intriguing you at this point in time?
1: Well, my favorite prospect is Killian Hayes out of France – I really like him. I saw a comparison today where I think it was Draft Express or ESPN. They they compared his measurements to D'Angelo Russell, which is a guy that Lakers fans are, are familiar with. And I can see the similarities there. Uh, another guy I really like is, and I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, but Denny Avija, or the, the kid from Israel. I really like what he brings to the table. As far as versatility, he, he's a shot creator. He's a very good passer. His shooting is is something that he needs to work on, especially free throw shooting. And But he's an aggressive player. And I think if if he, you know, it kind of makes you wonder about his free throw shooting. Will that limit his aggressiveness, especially late in games? But I love his potential. As the season wore on, he got an opportunity to play more for, for Maccabi Tel Aviv. But he's a player that I'm high on. I like uh, Theo Maladon out of France. He's he's a typical French point guard as far as with the way the the French have been producing guards lately. Long, wingspan, very much a game manager, but a guy that can defend. He'll make the right plays. He'll make the right passes. I'm not looking to score a lot of points. So he's someone that, that I like. Another guy that could be a target for the Lakers is Leandro Balmero. He's out of Argentina. Well, he's Argentinian, but he plays for for Barcelona. And I've got a chance to watch him play last summer in Greece. I like his versatility. He kind of reminds me of your typical Argentinian player with the flashy passes, good court vision. Not saying he's Ginobili, but if you ever remember watching Argentina when they had their they're strong national teams. All of their wings and guards could pass, and they just whipped the ball around the court. So he's a guy that that if I were the Lakers, I would, I would definitely consider, especially, you know, with you have the luxury of not having to count on him right away and, and with South Bay, and then the proximity between the two teams makes it even better for you to take a gamble on players that you can develop
0: absolutely and uh, the foreign prospects always intrigue me and i know theo just put his name into the hat as far as the nba draft this past weekend as we're recording this so it looks like somebody no, now mind you you're not going to get a tony parker always when you get a french point card but still it, it just having the thought of of possibly getting that international experience already and coming in it's not the misnomer that it once was way back when we oh, all You know, the playing in the foreign, playing international, there's no way he can he can step in and be a major contributor in the NBA. And there's been several players over the past few years in this past decade and recently that have proven that no, you know what? They can go ahead, doesn't matter where they played, they can go ahead and step in right away. I mean Luka Doncic right away just came in off the you know out. Foreign from international and just came in and, and dominated, you know, pretty much right away. And we've seen so many cases now where foreign players, no matter where they play, whereas Maccabi, Tel Aviv, like we're talking about, Spain, Italy, Australia, or anywhere else in Europe, are really able to dominate because the play in those areas are becoming much better and much better starting point for those wanting to go into the NBA.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I think it's still a crapshoot because. You know, in Europe, developing is not big as far as like on the, the major teams because you have to win right away. It's not like in the NBA where if you're, you're a losing team, you can play your young guys, develop, and you get a, a lottery pick and you, it's a win-win. Well, in Europe, there's so much pressure and intensity in, in every game that if you're young and you're playing on a EuroLeague team like Denny did and like Theo, that means you're good enough to compete that means you're better than someone who may be 25 or 26. So, and same with Hayes. I mean, those three guys played and contributed on high-level European teams this year, as opposed to, like, you had, like, Bender, who the Suns drafted high. I think he was on Maccabi, but he didn't play. There were guys that were older than him that were better than him, so he was drafted high based off of his credentials on the youth levels. So the three guys that I mentioned have had an opportunity to play at high levels. So they'll be more experienced than some of the foreign players from the past.
0: And when you're dealing with those international players, obviously having a good scouting department is key to getting started with them. And if you choose them, make sure that they're going ahead and be able to uh, focus in on trying to develop as a full NBA player. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that assessment. Once again, I'm talking to Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. you got to go ahead and check out his great site, NBAdraftjunkies.com. Also, check out his YouTube channel with breakdown videos today, NBA Draft Junkies. But before we head on out, my friend, I wanted to ask you, in your own words, why people need to check out. I mean, you told me on the last program, but in case this is someone's first chance to get to hear you, why should they check out NBA Draft Junkies the entire experience so they can get a better knowledge on the NBA
1: draft. I may be a little biased because it's my site, but it's it's something that I've it's it's something I've always wanted to do. You know, my, one of my favorite days every year is the NBA draft. So with this particular site, I designed the site myself. I made it. I'm I'm putting everything together from the YouTube videos to the graphics to just putting all the content up. And it's just my opinion, not saying that it's right or that it's wrong, but I'm just wanting to offer a different perspective on draft picks. And then I've actually had the opportunity to physically go out and watch some of these prospects. So I've been to a couple of the uh, the international tournaments. So I've seen the international guys, and then I was able to see uh, quite a bit of the, the prospects when they were playing AAU in high school and with the way the NBA players are getting younger and younger, you're just really a year removed from seeing them playing high school games the AAU tournaments, to the NBA. So I've had a chance to see a lot of these guys and I watch a lot of film. So it's just, it's just my perspective. Like I said, it's probably a little bit different perspective. It's kind of the NBA draft site with a little edge to it. It's a little different, but You know, check it out. I'd ask anybody to check it out, and 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 you can compare. Like, I always like. There's a lot of great content out there as far as websites, and so a lot of times, if you compare my site and some of the four or five other sites that are pretty popular, there's no way you can leave there without a good view of, you know, the prospect that your team is eyeing or that you want your team to have. And once again,
0: that's NBADraftJunkies.com. It's a really good site, so you got to check it out plus his videos and his breakdowns. I've been watching him after the past couple of weeks and really getting into it. So it gives me a better idea. As someone who loves the NBA draft process, not just for the Lakers, but the entire NBA draft as a whole, I'm enjoying it. I'm going to stay with it. I subscribe to it. So hopefully be one of the thousands of people that have subscribed to it today at NBA Draft Junkies. Well, Raphael, it's been great talking to you. I got to have you on again. You, you're, you know, the door is always open to you. You've been such a great conversation on both podcasts now, and I cannot thank you enough. I, I yes, I know we have more time on our hands, but mm-hmm. even as it gets hopefully in the in the not too distant future, more back to normal, and I know everybody gets back into the routine and all that. I still hope you can find time with us uh, to stop by the show any given point in time that you're available as we get down the road, as we get close to the NBA draft, to to talk to us about all the great things going on with the NBA draft.
1: Thank you. Anytime I'm available to talk basketball or NBA drafts, I'm I'm here. Definitely. Like I said, I've enjoyed this opportunity, and I'm looking forward to doing more podcasts. Looking
0: forward to it indeed. You're always welcome back. Anytime you want, I know I will be inviting you back. But if you have some type of uh, need or breakdown to do right away, just got to send me the message. I'll be glad to get you on. But I'm definitely uh, going to get you back on here because you've been such a great part of the show. And I cannot thank you enough for being right here on the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.